still one of the, the coolest shots I've ever made uh, for myself when I was probably about 14. I had my dad's old uh, Marlin uh, uh, Bolt Action 22. I shot a, in the standing, I shot a squirrel off a rocket like 110 yards. That's still one of my coolest shots. Well, I, I think it's important we point out what one of the big purposes of these shooting courses is to help uh, individuals understand the margin of error in their system and themselves uh, and establish what their ethical range is. And it's a re reassurance, right? I mean, it builds your confidence. And if you don't have confidence, which I've ran into that issue, you know, a few times, you know, between changing guns and, and figuring out shooting positions and second guessing yourself and well, and so to take it back to the car analogies for a second, yeah, maybe your, you know, custom uh, competition setup is a Rolls-Royce, but man, that Altera Mountain Shadow Carbon is a G-Wagon, because it's going to go anywhere, and it is luxurious. Yeah, wind is, wind is the black art, right? Wind is the black art of this game, and, and that's something that it just, for me, it's taken just a lot of time behind glass and missing a lot. excited to announce that we have partnered with the Outdoorsman's in Fountain Hills, Arizona. They can provide all of your optics needs along with some of the best machine tripods and mounting accessories in the business. Swarovski, Zeiss, Leica, Leupold, binoculars, spotting scopes, rifle scopes, you name it. They can provide it and at the industry's most competitive prices. They are offering our listeners an exclusive offer on all outdoorsmen's manufactured products such as packs, tripods, tripod heads, and other gear they manufacture. At checkout, type in the discount code RNA15, that is RNA15, and you will receive a one-time 15% off your order. Please go to outdoorsmen's.com and use the discount code today. Thank you for the support. Um, we're here in uh, Nampa, Idaho, and uh, pretty excited uh, to be here today. We had an absolutely awesome day um, and experience today that uh, we're going to share and talk about. Um, but specifically, we're here with uh, um, Altera Arms, and, and we met with them last night and uh, got to have a little orientation of the shop, um, got to meet kind of the brains behind the operation, uh, but also got to meet um, kind of the start to finish, everything that they're doing, pretty awesome stuff. And followed up today, we were able to get out on the range and, and uh, get some trigger time in, uh, which was pretty awesome. And, uh, you know, for someone like me who's not a huge rifle shooter, learned a lot of great things today that we're going to talk about concept-wise. So anyway. Anyway, with that, we got a we got a full uh, gamut of folks here. I got all six inputs plugged in, uh, and we want to make sure that we get uh, everyone uh, on the line today and kind of talking about what we're going to be doing and talking about. So, anyway, to my immediate right uh, is my good buddy Ryan Newkirk, and I'll let him uh, I'll let him introduce himself. Yeah, thanks, Lucas. So. Uh yeah, we're here. We had a great day today. Uh, a few months ago, I had put in my order for uh, a custom Altair Arms rifle, and uh, then a couple weeks after that, I got the invitation to come up to this shooting school, and uh, couldn't pass on that opportunity. Uh, invited a couple buddies to come along with me, and uh, here we are. 
Yeah, and I'm, I'm Kyle McAbee uh, to Ryan's right here. Uh, I'm one of those buddies he invited. Uh, we work together, and we're also become friends, and I'm a uh, you know, lifelong hunter. Uh, never have been extremely, uh, you know, tactical or technical about, you know, long-range shooting, and thought it was a good experience to come up and check out Altera, most importantly, and then, you know, learn a little bit more and about MOA and shooting at distance and, and those kind of things. So great experience today. I'm looking forward to talking about it. Uh, Aaron Mikesell, uh, engineering manager with Altera Arms, also step in and help out with the shooting courses when they come along every once in a while. I'm Travis Woodbury. I'm kind of the lead instructor. Uh, my background is kind of a, within, the, within the Marine Corps uh, and the sniper community, and I got some experience also in the law enforcement, and I've been starting to kind of get into the competition stuff, which is a, a lot of good fun, and get you a chance to really interact with a lot of great people that are usually in the shootings industry. Uh, so I'm Mick. I'm I'm uh, Travis Woodbury's buddy, and um, you know, well, <laughs> that depends on who you ask, what time of day it is, and how many whiskeys we've had. But um, so I, I'm prior military as well, uh, Navy served with the Marines, um, uh, shoot competitively, shoot shoot with Travis, and he's the one who introduced me to Altera Arms and uh, checked out their facility. I was very impressed with it. Um, still getting getting on them about building me a left-handed rifle, but... Uh, <coughs> <laughs> Tick. <laughs> Talk. Tick. <coughs> Talk. If you just learn to do things right, you'd actually be right for a change. There'll be continual plugs throughout this whole podcast yes. about left-handed bolt action receiver rifles. So yes, just there to, will be. We're just going to throw that out there. So take note, Aaron. Although we did see some pretty exciting stuff yesterday, so... No, so cool. Great having you guys on today um obviously you know kyle and and uh, ryan and myself driving up you know we had a lot of things we were talking about you know what's this going to be like you know are we going to be in in kind of this really controlled environment where there's going to be these shooting benches you know we don't know what to expect right there's so, no control today yeah so <laughs> so so you know we we roll up today and and, and uh, we meet travis and uh, so we're like hey what's going on yep meet us so we're going to go up here by another mile we're going to take a left on a dirt road and you know we're thinking like okay we there's probably facilities, you know, wash your hands, you know, if you got to use the restroom. <laughs> so we're rolling out. We take a left on a pretty uh, not used very well uh, dirt road, and we're going out, and I see this looks like a canvas wall tent in the distance. I said, okay, this is our kind of thing. This is, you know, if we got to squat in a little sagebrush, we'll do that. But, um, no, just a super, super awesome day, super awesome experience. And today I think what we really want to do is just kind of um, recap what we learned today, talk about okay. some of the concepts, um, some of the things that uh, that you guys do in terms of um, kind of the skills and development that you're looking for mm -hmm. out of shooters. And I would say for me, pretty novice, two guys that are pretty more, way more experienced and advanced than I am, but kind of talking through what we did today. And uh, yeah, it was just a super awesome experience, a lot of fun for day one. And uh, man, we even got to stretch out the rifles a little bit today and, and uh, hit some steel, which is, which is always fun. So um, in just for the listeners, we are sitting in a cigar bar in downtown Napa, and uh, so it's what you can't see is is this a little smoky in here, but there's a little background noise, but I think that makes our uh, discussion a little more authentic today. So, um, anyway, so so maybe Travis, just um, kind of just maybe at a ten thousand foot level, like someone coming in to do range days, Altera experience, like what kind of what's someone gonna 
think what what should they be coming in with thinking about some expectations in a shooting course that you'd provide um, well basically they can come in with no uh, real basic experience in it I mean we're kind of uh, the courses are kind of structured so you can actually come in and we kind of give you a lot of the detail of what um, it's kind of slow enough. We kind of show you where the how the rifle needs to fit you. Then we can start moving into the actually more technical side of us about actually how to make the uh, calibrate your scopes, make sure they're working and functioning correctly. Um, and then then we start bringing it to do the uh, the ballistic apps and how they actually apply to it. Um, the goal is is actually trying to show you that there's always an error built in within the system. There's nothing perfect. I mean, we, like we kind of talked about, we can never remove the, the human error and the entire process. And then whether it's in the manufacturing of the rifle. Um, Altera does a good job with how they design their action and how the receiver reads it in there and how the bolt actually interacts and how it's centering and aligning that entire cartridge. Um, but as far as the actual testing and what we're doing, um, you're actually seeing how the, where those errors at and how we're actually be able to check for them and how we can actually account for that error that's going to be built in there. Yeah. It's naturally there. So, so, I mean, anyone could just sign up, show up bring their whatever rifle they have and learn to shoot that rifle more effectively, more efficiently, understand the ins, ins and the outs of that rifle. It's not that you have to go and like Ryan did and, and purchase a beautiful firearm like you did. You could bring anything to the table here and have the same experience that he would have. Um, well, I mean, all the rifles, there's only one rifle that was an Altera today. Um, and but So, I mean, everyone could come, come in and bring, we can make whatever shows up work. Um, I have made those $50 scopes that people buy thinking they're a long-range scope work. It wasn't as effective, and when you started doing the actually like the calibration test, that's when you actually really see that, uh, start seeing the, the, the advantage of buying that higher-end glass like we did with the, his uh, Collis. I mean, that Collis yeah. was just yeah. amazing. Right on all the adjustments was perfect. So That was kind of next level. Like, uh, I've never shot anything like that. Like, <laughs> it's kind of like, okay, when I grew up, I, like, rode in, like, a, a like a you know, like a cutlass, you know, like freaking station wagon where the seats, you know, on the back stood out the back. But then you take a rifle like that and it's like, okay, this is what it's like to ride in a Rolls Royce. Like this is like the Cadillac of, of like everything that I've ever yeah. seen or done. And yeah. Pretty spectacular firearm you have. Yeah. Thank you. It's a smooth ride for sure. And, um, like Travis was saying, you know, you go through these schools and, you go through the uh, technical aspect of the rifle and the scope, and it really exposes your gear to, to what its limitations are, right? And I think that's important to do because that's going to give you confidence now in the field when you're pulling down on that big game animal, right? Sure. <clears throat> yeah, so you think about, like, so how does this apply and what we do, right? So you guys are... You know, you guys have a long history in, in the military and obviously sharpshooting and sniper and, and just things that we all look at are like, God, these guys are kind of like badasses, right? But simple guys like us, we like to hunt, we like to shoot, right? And that that's kind of our application, right? So we're guys that just kind of show up and like to, you know, like to shoot stuff, but also, you know, like to get some trigger therapy and, and like to kill some animals. But I guess in thinking about, you know, this course and, and kind of how it's structured, um, I'm sure you've probably had all walks of life of people that come in, but generally is it hunters that you guys seem to be targeting, folks that come in with, like you say, your standard 300 or 7 mag with kind of, you know, off-the-shelf ammunition and really teaching them how to shoot? that system? Yeah, I, I really just like bringing in who have a, a strong interest in learning how to shoot. As I said, I've got one gentleman who likes to come, he comes out all the time. Um, he's uh, got cerebral palsy. He's isolated into a wheelchair and he doesn't have 
full use of his body, but he just comes out and we go and shoot all the time because he's passionate about it. Um, and that's really what we want. We want somebody who just comes out and wants to learn and just sits there and just and listens and says, this is what we found works for us. Um, we've showed you a couple things. Some, some of you, you people try it and like, ah, I didn't like that. Okay, that's fine. I mean, we'll find what works for you. I mean, there's a different hundred, hundred ways we can actually yeah, make something work as long as it's working for you and you're comfortable with how that, that's actually performing. Yeah. Um, I grew up, I mean, I was born and raised in Idaho up in a little area, so I grew up hunting, and so that's my main application in life. And that's really what kind of probably pushed me more towards what uh, I ended up in the military because, I mean, they're hunters. Uh, that's really what the, the dynamic of it. And most of the guys in that field have a hunting history. Sure. Because we're... It's, it's kind of a passion. It's an, an, inner, an internal passion, I guess. You guys just get to hunt like two-legged creatures, not four-legged <laughs> creatures. It's a little different. It, it, it is a little bit different, right? Um, we won't get into that, but it's just a little different. But it really just hunting growing up. I mean, we kind of talked about going out just uh, hunting on my grandpa's probably. I mean, I can't. I mean, where I learned how to it was just basically with twenty twos and uh, BB guns, just hunting and learning how to get better and better. Still, one of the, the coolest shots I ever made from, uh, from myself when I was probably about fourteen. I had my dad's old uh, Marlington, uh, Marlin uh, uh, bolt action 22. I shot a, in the standing, I shot a squirrel off a rocket like 110 yards. That's still one of my coolest shots. You know, just little ground squirrels sitting sure. there. Like, I did it. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, you talked about today, I mean, shooting a cow elk with a 30 30 lever action. I mean, uh-huh. it, doesn't, it doesn't have to be a eight $9,000 system with a $3,000 scope, right? The, no. The, the principles apply open side. I mean, the things we learned today to me are so interchangeable across whatever you're doing, right? It's yep. set up, it's alignment, it's all that stuff we're going to talk about that's so critical. Yeah, my uh, my daughter, she does all this, and she uses a... Uh uh, Remy, uh, she just uses a $400 rifle with a with a three or $400 scope sitting on top of it, and that's what she does all of her hunting with. Um, it And it works. Um, it's not as fine as, it's not as a, a minute, not of a consistent, but I mean, it works, and, and she's taken elk at six, I think her elk was, she, her first elk was taken like 660 yards with it. So, and so if they work, if the systems yeah. work. So back to your original, um, I think Altera, and you can correct me, Aaron, but uh, originally started with hunting rifles because that's where the passion is, and that's honestly where the biggest piece of the market is, right? But as it's progressed as a company, you're going to start seeing them get into uh, more precision rifle stuff and, and bringing that equipment to the market, and I'm, I, that's what I'm excited for because that's what I do. But. Well, I mean, their action is set up to give you a more precise uh, a, a level of precision that no other actions really have able to offer. Just because, well, one they got the patents on it, but the, the ability to center align that cartridge within the uh, center line the bolt and the entire operating system is unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah, and there's a fine cut difference. I mean, we'll we'll clue in, you know, the shooters, you know, Kyle and, and Ryan, but I notice it going shooting my Model 700, you know, heavy ass, Woodstock, no muzzle brake, and I sit underneath, you know, like Ryan's rifle, and it, it's just, it's such a different feel, such a different setup, everything about it. I have to position myself differently, but it just, everything about it feels so much better than, you know, my archaic, big, heavy, 13-pound <laughs> rifle, right? But there's there's some magic there, for sure. I'll tell we you talked what, about that yesterday. I'm, I'm sold after what I learned yesterday, and after shooting today it's I'm, I'm sold on Altera well I, I think it's important we point out what the real one of the big purposes of these shooting courses is to help uh, individuals understand the margin of error in their system and themselves uh, and establish what their ethical range is 
um, with with their equipment and their shooting ability. And then once you know that, now you know what you can work on on yourself. And and if if the platform is the crutch, you know that now too, and and you can do something about it. Yeah, so. it's incre- It's a, it truly is an incredible baseline for you guys coming out here and to get that right. Um, to get a baseline to know exactly what he's saying, where your equipment's at, um, where you're at as a shooter, and then uh, positional, right? Which we'll go into, I think, a lot more, more tomorrow is positional shooting, but which for hunters it's extremely important, but it's just a great baseline. Yeah. Well, and that was really my motivation for, for jumping into this because, you know, this, this rifle was the first really nice rifle that I've ever bought. I mean, I, I got everything exactly as I wanted it. And so what better way to start out with it than to just learn the ins and outs of every aspect of that system and to do it under, you know, expert watchful eyes when they're correcting my position to give me a more stable platform when they're teaching me how to verify whether my scope is dialing correctly or not, you know, everything down to to hand positioning and trigger pull and all of that. Um, When you start there, then you you can just build on that for a lifetime. And it's a re- reassurance, right? I mean, it builds your confidence. And if you don't have confidence, which I've ran into that issue, you know, a few times, you know, between changing guns and, and figuring out shooting positions and second-guessing yourself. And, and short-stroking. Yeah. And, and <laughs> short-stroking. Yeah. So uh, how far are we in? About 10, 20 minutes? <laughs> <laughs> are we getting the nicknames already? Or? Yeah, I think, I think we just exposed that. Yeah, yeah I think we, we did. We'll, we'll Don't get worry into about that. tomorrow. You'll be hard-stroking. <laughs> but I think that's that, that really is the key um, because the best thing you can take into the field when you're shooting a match or shooting uh, at game animal is confidence. Right? That's what you're trying to build here is that confidence in yourself, in the equipment, yeah. all those things. There's no doubt. Know your limits on the shot. So, like today with you, how many times, what ranges are you having first round impacts? You just could click, click, dial, and click off just going off of the Yeah, habit. I mean, so once we got everything dialed in, I had a first round impact with a lot of side wind, by the way. <laughs> it was, it was the wind ridiculous today. That's wind. Uh, at, what was it, 420, and then again at 480, and then again at 560, and then I think it took me three shots to get dialed in at 800. Yeah, we were dealing with some really hard switchy winds today. That yeah, was Operation Desert. Right, I mean, they were just left and right. So I mean, you would still hit your animal. We we're, we're shooting actually minute of angle plate. So when you're saying 600, you're shooting at a 12 inch plate at 600 yards. Sure. So, right. Yeah. Yeah, and then ended up taking it out to uh, 1150 yards. You know, and this Which is a 7.1 cool. pound 308. Right. With lots of holdover. <laughs> yeah, there was, <laughs> ran out of some scope there. there was a combination of uh, dialing every minute I had available in my scope. I guarantee you tonight he'll be laying in bed <laughs> and he'll be yeah. doing that calculation. God, I was like three and a half feet to here. And then, and we were oh, no, talking I, about took, I took a mental picture. Yeah, no, it was, it was uh, 50, 51 feet of holdover. Right. Wow. A That's bush. a lot. That's <laughs> incredible. Hold over a bush, left yeah. a bush and a half. Yeah, yeah we were yeah. starting to use okay. landmarks versus like MOA or Mills at that point. See that bush? Just aim down for that bush. Down, down a half bush. Okay. Right. <laughs> we all know that concept. We, we love to let's, go down on bush. Let's really talk about like, so let's recap the day. So the one thing I really want to, I guess I want to highlight to start was we started out with a safety briefing, right? And, and I think what's key with, 
whether you're in a whether you're in a controlled environment in a in a gun range, whether you're doing something like this, irregardless, safety is the number one thing, right? And it's paramount. And I mean, Mick even brought out a, a trauma bag in the event something happened. Like to me, there was reassurance there that it wasn't, hey guys, let's get our rifles out and start firing. Like, you know, Travis, you did a, a complete safety briefing with us to start. Um, we did, you know, probably for the first couple hours, we were understanding our, our firearms better. We were figuring out alignment, teaching us that. That That is the foundation. That's the baseline. Yeah, we were right? about and three hours of just getting comfortable with the rifle before we even actually sent it around. Yeah. So, so I, I think that's important to kind of highlight when folks coming into this because I think people want to know I'm coming into a class where, yeah, safety's of the utmost, you know, obviously importance in this. But at the end of it, we're going to have fun and we have, we're going to have a good time. And there was a lot of laughs shared. There was a lot of joking. And we'll get to that. But the first thing that really, I mean, for me, takeaway was, is, you know, as you started showing us how to align ourselves on our rifles it it just it was a complete shift for me and how i had to move my hips over how i had to find out where my alignment was like i i never ever had instruction on that you relearn how your body needs to fit and adjust and why we need to adjust that i mean because well for one we're never going to be able to stop recoil uh, they'd, they'd, i would hate to see the i would try to hate to try to carry a gun that could control that we, we wouldn't have to worry about recoil it would be unbelievably uh, heavy but we can set our bodies up to actually uh, absorb that and actually make sure it's a consistent as uh, we had talked about it, it was a follow-through so now so are your follow-up shot so you're going to take that round and you're going to be able to quickly reassess and regain your acquire your target to actually engage if you need to so well and spot that shot i mean or, or staying see. staying on the scope and having it come straight back to you keeps you on target so you can spot where yeah. you hit you can sit under the scope and see it right if, if you're just letting that rifle fly and you can't get back on target you're never going to see where it hit let alone get back on target yeah. for another shot well, so and, and you the reality is you own that bullet right like that's your bullet so wherever it stops you have to know yeah right well, and just that initial concept of setup and then follow through were two things that, of anything that I did today, I tried to make sure that in everything I did, I had some form of setup. And you guys had to remind me a couple of times, hey, dude, look at your setup. I'm like, it's a learned behavior, right? It's like golfing. We've all golfed or done something. And then imagine going to a pro and him changing your swing, right? It's the same thing. So we're getting professional instruction that we've been doing something for the last 25 years. And here I've got to, you know, move my hips here, put my feet out, you know? So that part for me was hard to break some of those habits that I've had, but I noticed as I started focusing on that, following through on the shot, staying under the scope, that I was shooting much better by the end of the day than I would have ever shot starting in, you know, going into yeah. that. And the addition I would give you on that is when you get back to the Republic of California. You can say it. Um, <laughs> the people dry fire practice, man. Keep yeah. keep those skills sharp because it's a diminishing skill set, right? Yeah. So you it's perishable, it. right? Yeah. If you don't use yeah. it, you lose it. And that's kind of like when we introduce a new skill. Every time we ever started, the first thing we started off with was you dry fired it. Yeah. But, um, the reason why is you dry fired is because I'm imparting a new memory, and I want that memory to actually be. Uh, a, so when you actually actually shoot, it's now a positive uh, uh, learning experience, sure. not a, a a training scar. Of with the lack of a better word, yeah. your learnings. Um, this is why this works. Yeah. So. And once it sets, every time after that, when you're out of position, you'll know it. You'll right. just it not feel so weird. comfortable. You'll feel weird. You'll go, man, should I be squeezing that? But and it felt awkward getting into that position because right it's like now, this it is not yeah. the norm for yeah. me. But 
now it's like, okay, I realize why we're doing what we're doing. Yeah, you and, know? But you understand, well, right now it's a discomfort, but then as you get doing it, because it's the same thing for me. When I first started going, I'm like, this is, this don't make no dang sense to me. Yeah. But as I got, now it's comfortable, and now when I get into it, it's just second nature. I'm, I'm in that position, and that's what I'm doing. Yeah. Well, and you, and so, you mentioned, sorry, go ahead, Ryan. Oh, that's all right. Um, so I'm a, you know, I'm not an expert marksman by any means. I'm not a competitive shooter or anything like that, but I've been shooting rifles for 30 plus years. I put 2000 plus rounds a year downrange and I learned tips and tweaks and techniques and things that, you know, maybe it was something I had a basic concept of, but, but it was explained, okay, this is why you do this. That's and the why, right? And, I mean, that's the important part. Yeah, like you said, you know, at first, you know, repositioning your body in a certain way feels awkward, but then all of a sudden you see the results and it's like, okay, all right, I get it. Yeah. And then, you know, you work on it a little bit more and you reposition your hand a little bit more and, you know, you, you put 10, 15 rounds down range and all of a sudden it's like, okay, I can, I can work with this. Right, you get yeah. that, right? You well, know, and you and when your shooting improved dramatically just in that really short time frame. Right. Well, and you mentioned golf, right? It's it's a, the same concept. It's a mental game, A. And B, if you're having a problem and you make a change, it feels wrong. It feels weird, and it's not what you're used to. But typically, that means you're doing something right, yeah. you know, if you're having an issue, if you're trying to improve. It's like, to me, it's like a mental blueprint, right? I mean, we all have these phases in life where things come in, and you learn certain things. I mean, you learn how to walk. You learn how to do this. But it's like... We were given a gun at the age of eight, seven, five, a BB gun or 12, whatever yeah. that is, right? Everybody's different. And, but you learn it and you learn what, you know, you were given it. Your dad taught you how to shoot. But then, again, we're all adults. We're grownups. And then you get into something like this. And it is. It's, it's reprogramming, re-blueprinting in your mind how to do this at you know, so I'm 39 years old and I've shot a rifle for a lot of years, but I'm, I'm literally reprogramming how I'm supposed to do this. Right. And mm-hmm. for me, you know, how do you take those skills and continue? Like you said, they're perishable. How do you continue to ensure that, you know, practice perfect every single time, right? Perfect practice makes perfect. And I noticed that even Ryan, a couple times you shot, you even said it, you're like, I knew I pulled that one or I knew I wasn't set up right. And I'm videoing it and I could see clearly that, you know, there was an outlier there. Right. So, and that's the feedback you want to have, right? And yeah. I, I would say to anybody that's considering coming up here, anybody that does come up here and, and do this experience with you guys, that they need to come into it with an open mind. I don't care if you've been shooting for 40, 50 years, two years, whatever it may be. You may be a, um, a long-range shooter already, but come into it with an open mind. Don't take offense to anything and, and know that there's there's probably something, if not many things, that these guys can, can correct for you that they can see that you can't see. You know, you can't yeah. see yourself shoot it. Yeah. You know? And, and come and do it with an open mind makes a huge difference. Well, and I think, too, and Travis spoke to it a little bit earlier with his, his buddy that comes out and shoots, shoots with him that has uh, cerebral palsy. If there's a, a physical issue and, and you have to work around that, maybe you can't get it. Like, I'm old as hell, right? So <laughs> I don't really get in the actual proper shooting position. <laughs> but we'll teach you how to manage around that, too, right? So I yeah. think that's important. Well, yeah, every everybody has different mechanics, and and the idea is to figure out what that body's mechanics is and get them aligned behind that rifle as straight as possible and, and with a good frame and structure to manage that shot. And, yeah. And you can do it a, a bunch of different ways, but most people don't do it one of the right ways. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
But one of the things I think we can kind of jump to now is so we, we kind of went through this whole calibration phase. And mm-hmm. we were calibrating. I mean, we were shooting, okay, aim on the lower left. The next thing you know, you're going to shoot in the same spot, but you're going to shoot this box. That's, the box you know, adjustment? Yeah. yeah, exactly. So I, for me at first, I, I, I didn't understand what we were doing. Mm-hmm. And then it wasn't until we did the second exercise where we calibrated, I think, on the low end of the box. Elevation then adjustments. Then we, we did elevation adjustments all the way to the top, and then we came back down. That's when I, in my mind, I said, okay, I know exactly what we're doing now, but it, but how, why is that important? Maybe you can explain the why behind why would we calibrate shooting at the same spot, yet basically building a perfect box on a target. Well, so anything you deal with, uh, when you're dealing with people, we have a tendency, natural tendency to fuck things up. We make mistakes. Uh, even oh, we make we mistakes? Humans make mistakes? <laughs> we've been I known thought, to make a few of them. I thought we were perfect. I mean, come <laughs> on, been, guys. We've been, we've been known to make a few of those mistakes. Um, and so basically what we're doing, um, or what also happens with these, especially when you start uh, turning on, tearing on these turrets, they're a machined uh, component. And so they eventually wear out. Um, just because of that const, constant friction is going to wear those components out. Uh, and so and what, that, that wear is going to actually cause an adjustment and a change in how these uh, the scopes are going to adjust. Well, they, they come with a margin of error. I mean, as as a guy that machines every day, I cannot hit nominal every day, every time. And so yeah. there's a margin of error in everything you get, and, and you're figuring out what that is in sure. your system. Yeah. yeah, and these are these are high-end precision optics that we're playing around with. Um, and as he's gonna, he's played, he, he does this for a living, and he, uh, he knows it tooling wear and you got to be constantly on top of it to make sure that so it's not the manufacturer's fault I mean it's just it's a natural it's, it's built in it's right? there it's, 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 it's the world we live in it's manufactured yeah. that way and so basically what we're going to do is we're showing you these calibration aspects to actually test for this problem that's that it's going to be there um, or like I've had some scopes where I've had for a couple of years and all of a sudden they quit shooting I'm like everything's going all over and it's just because that scope is finally wore out and if you go with a good company um, like uh, the, the Vortex I just sent it back and they fix it and send it back to me mm-hmm. and there's a couple other I mean, Leopold does that I know there's a couple other companies out that do it uh, I just had really great working relationship with them yeah. and getting that done yeah. so um, that's one of the, the benefits of it and so when we check we're checking for an error and then we're going and we're and these calculators they know that error is going to be there the guys that design this they know it's there it's it's well known within the community that's going to be there and so they design these ballistic calculators to account for that error you just got to give it the light the right information that's the important uh, dynamic is what what these di- these ballistic calculators do if you lie to them they're going to return the favor and lie right back to you when you come to do in your adjustments um, so and that's the human air aspect. And I'll be honest with you, uh, I've lied to these ballistic calculators several times, not knowing it because I didn't understand some of the information I was putting in there, and it repaid the favor. So, Well, when we saw that right off the bat with my rifle, you know, it, it's a, uh, I mean, the, the guys at Altera verified that it's a, a .1 MOA shooter. Uh, so I knew it wasn't the rifle's fault, but then we're doing that that tall tall test is long tall target range, test. tall target test right and so when we dialed to the the calibrated amount of dope it's off by almost five percent mm-hmm. you know that's not ideal but then you plug that data into the ballistic calculator and every shot after that the dope that that calculator was giving to me was spot on like i said yeah, I was wind calls was first, us. <laughs> yeah the wind was you can't fix that but right. and you can't fix the shooter right but yeah you know that elevation dope was spot on all the way out uh-huh. to you know 800 plus yards and so you can you can account for those 
expected errors. Right. And then, you know, that tall test also tells you or can tell you if you have your rifle square and it's parallel. If you've got your scope mounted. If you've got your scope mounted square, right? Because you'll see can't in that distance of 33 inches, right? So you can say, okay, is that the scope's mounted incorrectly or am I not getting that rifle squared up? And the reason that the other problem where we like to start with the calibration test is because um, we talk about this is a mental game. A long range is a mental game. And if we start you off with bad confidence, we just try to take you out and want you to shoot long targets where we call you out. But now we're giving you a way to actually diagnose your own challenges that you've got to bit in there and building the confidence in your own equipment and within yeah. yourself to actually fix a lot of your problems. Yeah, that was huge. That well, was huge. Every, every man, right? You have a problem, what do we do? We want to fix the problem, mm -hmm. right? It's like when your spouse or whatever has a problem, they don't want you to fix the problem for you. They right? just want you to hear it. Exactly. <laughs> but what but we do, we want to fix it. We want to fix it. Well, we're geared the same way. We're all that way. When we do something wrong, we're trying to shoot steel at 11.54, and we're missing. We're like, shit, what do I got to do, right? So you, everyone's talking. Okay, just, you know, quarter here, turn one click here. Push like, there, push here. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, having a good spotter makes a big difference. But there's a lot going on. Like, my mind's, like, half blown, and I'm an engineer, actually, by trade, too. But my mind's blown because there's so much stuff going on, and I've been so trained in MOA. Like, the whole mill thing became much more relevant to me and why there probably is an advantage to having mill dot versus, you know, MOA, but I've never been instructor or learned under that system, and I shot a rifle today that was under, you know, mill. So mm -hmm. getting some of that, you know, some of that experience is, to me, I mean, that was, you know, worth the price of admission just by showing up, right? And learning how the different systems, you know, kind of work both in tangent but also differently. Yeah, and what, uh, I'm a big fan. I started out on the MOA system, and I had to relearn off of the, onto the, the, the mill system. And what I... Um, with, you're actually going to see the real benefit of using these graduated reticles tomorrow uh, when we start going into the unknown distances and actually how uh, and the actual calibers because we're going to actually uh, be able to add and subtract those numbers because we can count in tens. I mean that's our, our mathematical system, whereas MOAs are in quarters. Yeah, we don't count in quarters really easily in our head. It, sure. Unless you've done it a lot, a lot of repetition, then you get really good at it. Yeah, and so that's I mean that's uh, that's why I encourage people to go to the mill system because it's a we know how to do that. Sure. Can add it's natural for us, right? Yeah, when you said that, I, I, before I would have been going, no, that's just another thing to learn. I just finally figured out MOA to a degree. And, and I, when you said, you know, hey, we count in tens, think mm -hmm. about it. And I thought, well, yeah, if it's in factors of 10, it's pretty easy to do the math pretty yeah. quick. And yeah. that makes perfect sense. Tomorrow we'll get to actually see, you'll get to actually gain a lot of kind of Chris will have his gun out there, I'm sure. And you'll get to play around with that a little bit more and actually see, oh, uh, it's just it's just another uh, moment. So like, long as I don't worse. short stroke. Well, long yeah, as you don't short stroke. Oh, yeah. <laughs> really short stroke. But yeah, we're going to teach you how to look at a, you you know that you, you know the body diameter of a deer. So we'll be able to show you how to mill that deer. Maybe you don't have a rangefinder. You'll be able to know how far that right. deer away is. Right. right? Or know so, the confidence of what your distance is to actually have an impact on it. So kind of like what we're going to go on with tomorrow is, is you've got a 12 inches of drop, right? And so with what, you're, what we're looking at is what these targets are set up is about 12 inches, which is about your deer, your common deer, a lung cavity sure. for your drop. Yeah. And so basically what we're going to do is what's the distance of that 12 inches of change? Okay, so now we know it. Now we're going to know how to adjust. So I think we're, I'm over my max distance, so I'm going to adjust here. I'm going to hold a little bit higher to account for that potential air that's going to be there so does that okay. mean we also covered talked a little bit about how the parallax can help you actually get you there it's not the most best system i mean i don't yeah. encourage it I, I well and each scope is different if you don't have your diopter set just perfect yeah. you, you're, you're going to get some funny stuff there but right but yeah it gives you in the ballpark and you can actually 
base that off of that, uh, whatever your scope's giving you and what your estimation is, and so you can kind of get yourself a little, estimate a little bit more accurately. I don't want to get ahead, but uh, on that note, it makes a big difference whether you're first focal plane or second focal plane doing that, right? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. When you're doing holds, it does. Yeah. Uh, if, if you're just using center holds on your uh, reticle, it's not going to matter because the when you start dialing on a, like your duplex reticles, when you dial, it's always there. Um, so I was referring to if, measuring the distance. But if you're milling targets, yeah, if you it's just absolutely measuring targets. We're not going to do a lot of uh, milling specific. Uh, one, we don't have mill. You guys aren't running mill scopes, but we're still going to be able to actually account for knowing where my um, what range I can shoot at and still have impact on my animal and still actually have a harvest. So yeah. So maybe one thing I want to loop back to too is so kind of the first thing we did is we zeroed. So we checked rifles, we zeroed, and you know so like my rifle, it was zeroed at 200 yards, mm -hmm. right? And I know when we shot Ryan's rifle when we got it a couple weeks ago, we shot it and shot it at 200 or 100, and it was shooting you know an inch and almost seven eighths high. So we knew like where that was at. So maybe just talk through like so you guys talk about zeroing at 100. I've always kind of been known like okay maybe start at 100, move to two, see where it's shooting, just know. But maybe talk through kind of the zero process and what you guys do there. I, I like the 100 yard zero. The reason why is I'm completely removed uh, environmental factors out of that uh, that that equation. I don't have to work. Don't matter where uh, what where if I'm shooting at sea level or if I'm shooting out on top of Mount Everest, the environmental factors are going to have a very limited influence upon that. And the other benefit is, is just on your mechanical adjustments. So typically within that bullet flight, that bullet is flying up into your line of sight where your reticles at. It basically puts all your adjustments up, so you don't have to really adjust down necessarily, um, depending on unless you have depending on where your bore height is. But I mean, typically you're only going to have to adjust up from there. It's a, it's a natural uh, a line of uh, path for both of those uh, dynamics. Um, that's why I prefer the hundred, and it's easy to adjust for it. So now, like he now he knows if I'm at a hundred yards, I got a hundred yards. So I just need to come up two clicks, and I'm now within my two hundred yard dope. I need to come up uh, four clicks and get to my three hundred yard dope. So it takes away that. Um, zeroing at 100 and make sure I'm at X amount high to account for this data. I mean, basically all I'm doing is a point blank theory, which we're going to cover in more detail tomorrow. Okay. What he's doing, he, what he's doing with it. Okay. But we do see that a lot, like, because hunters are, and the concept is if it's zero to 200, then I have a very small hold over at 300, and then I've got everything from zero to 300 covered, right? Sure. So we do see that a lot. But yeah, like you saying, there's the time of flight uh, from the shooting line to 100 yards is so small, yeah. you take out a lot of error. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, the farther, you, like you were talking about, I mean, guys could zero out to 600. That's great, but there's so much more you got to deal with out to 600 yards in terms of environmental than what you would do at 100 yards. Yeah, and the other benefit of shooting at zeroing out 100 yards is, is you've almost completely uh, eliminated the issue with wind. If you're shooting in 30 and 40 mile an hour winds, zeroing 30, 40 mile winds, you're going to have some problems. But I mean, if you shoot in 100 in your normal wind conditions or what, you know, the four to five miles an hour, which is usually constant, it's not really going to be as big of an issue for you. So to kind of expound on that, if you are sitting in a situation where you don't have an adjustable uh, turrets, um, you don't have hash marks on your reticle, and you're a hunter, don't go sight in at 200, sight three inches high at 100. Or get a decent ballistic calculator. <laughs> Figure out. <laughs> you should be 1.8 inches high at 100 yards yeah. yeah. to be yeah. an idea. 200. 
go. And then you, go. <laughs> but you You see, my point is instead of like actually setting up and zeroing at a 200 yard range or right. shooting at a 200 yard minimize range, minimize the environmental impact. Right. Right. Minimize right. the environmental impact right. at 100 yards and just set your, yourself at, you know, two, three inches at 100 yards. And, mm-hmm. and, and now you're zeroed well and you, you're not playing the game of, well, did I zero with that 10 mile an hour crosswind? Right. that I'm not going to see tomorrow. In fact, maybe it's the opposite direction, you know. Um, right. Sure. Well, I, mean, I think that's a good point on this rifle because I didn't set this rifle up to be an 1,150-yard <laughs> right. competition so type rifle. Stuff. <laughs> I set this rifle up to be a really lightweight, you know, superbly accurate, but packable hunting rifle. That's right. its main purpose. Yep. You know, It's a backcountry hunting rifle. The majority of hunting exactly. that I do, I'm shooting inside of 200 yards. Mm-hmm. And really closer than that most of the time. And so that's where some of these practical compromises, you know, they're not ideal in this long-range shooting scenario. Mm-hmm. But you can make them work. And you guys showed me how to make them work. Right. Well, mm-hmm. and, and ammo availability, right? That's the right. number one problem that we have in <laughs> rifle shooting right now. And I think no. that was a good choice. Because a lot of people would ask, why would you buy a 308? Like we've talked about this multiple times. Yeah. Well, because I can have a conversation. Steel plate at 1150 yards. Yeah, <laughs> that's why. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Yeah. And if you're stuck in Africa on a safari, they probably got 308 on the counter somewhere there, right? Yeah. If right. you show up a 28 nozzle, you're probably screwed. Yeah, you're going to be you're going to be renting a rifle. So right. most of my guy, the rifles I always they're they're 308 mag, seven mag, just really common. The, they are the workhorse of the shooting industry, and right now we're yeah. doing a transition right now into the PRCs and the, and the nozzlers. Um, but really, the, the 7 mag, 300 mag, 308s, 260s, those have been the workhorse for hunters for 270, 30 odd six. I, I mean, mean, the list goes on. Yeah. yeah. I mean, almost any given time, you could in a normal in a normal society when we were normal or whatever our normal is now I don't yeah. know but but at a time you could always walk into this into any gun store and find those cartridges because always everyone right trusted them yeah <laughs> they knew they were. tried and true right yeah right I mean yep. for years so I think it, it, I mean an interesting variable that we talked about air and built in you can't you know you can't mill and, and machine anything perfectly but i mean let's talk about wind i mean and we can we can expand on our day today right and, and that's the one variable that we all know we can't control at any time mm-hmm. right but we can build in systems like we learned today to shoot in the wind and be proficient in wind and yep. today was probably a great example of, of how we did that and, and so we get through we, we do the zeros we do the calibrations and then all of a sudden it just gets nasty out right and we're out in the basically in the wide desert out shooting you know out to a thousand yards and the wind picks up and we got a good shelter but i mean it was plum nasty for a while mm-hmm. um but it, it for me it was kind of like well you know what when i'm on a high mountain somewhere this is probably what i'm gonna have to expect right when is it ever going to be the sunshine and zero wind i mean it just that's not realistic that's so, usually my case 95 degrees and no wind praying yeah. for rain yeah <laughs> no. but i mean today it gave us a good appreciation for not only the systems we have and what they can do but also knowing that i mean that's the one variable that at the end of the day i mean you can't control it but you can still make it happen even in the work. wind, right? Yes. Yeah. Um, and it's kind of like we you know, kind of things like on the calibration, the point of the way they're designed is so you can actually see the value of actually having an anti-cant device. Um, one of them was almost, what was it, an inch and a half or something, or two inches off um, at 100. And that's a magnifying effect. And so yeah. we're trying to show you that they build your confidence and you can do this at long range. And one of those is if you have cant in your rifle, 
you're not going to have confidence being able to shoot at longer ranges because you're, as a human error, we're imparting upon that. And how how is it mechanical? And that's what you really need to do is find a mechanical aid or something to reference off of to make sure you're eliminating us. Yeah. So we're not contributing this problem. Yeah. But, I mean, if you're half a bubble off at 100, what's that mean at 1,000 yards? Or, I mean, that's a big deal. Yeah. 20, 20, 25 inches, right? Uh, I mean, so if you're an inch off or an inch and a half, that's 10 right. to 15 inches at 1,000 right. yards. Yeah, but, but wind... That's it, missing. Yeah, right? wind is wind is the black art, right? Wind is the black art of this game, and, and that's something that it just... For me, it's taken just a lot of time behind glass and learning it. And missing a lot. And missing a lot. <laughs> and missing yeah. a whole lot. And you so. guys don't miss a lot. Like, I, you guys start cycling, it's like... I mean, you guys, obviously you guys trained, you guys have done this for many years, but for me it was it was good to see you, like seeing you shoot today. Like we didn't get to see Travis, but like seeing both of you guys shoot, like I, I don't get to surround myself with people that do this. So seeing how you guys do, how you guys set up, which how you cycle, all that, like that was good for me to see that because I hang around, you know, novices like this that are better shooters than me, but we don't get to see kind of the life in the world that you guys live in, right? Which was very beneficial for me. Well, and I think the thing that was cool too, and, and to kind of bounce off of what Aaron said earlier, um, you know, every rifle there today was shooting at least sub MOA, sub MOA mm-hmm. way sub MOA in most cases. And we were changing ammo. I mean, he was he shot different batches, of, uh, not just different lots. He was shooting different manufacturers of ammo and still getting good performance. Right. And so then we're shooting to get a little wonky here for a second. We're shooting targets that are typically two MOA targets, right? Mm-hmm. So you got to do a little bit of math. But at 600 yards, two MOA is 12 inches. Mm-hmm. That's vital size on a big animal. Maybe if you're shooting an antelope, that's not vital size anymore. And we were having to do some wind corrections because we had a 15-mile-an-hour kind of variable quartering, sometimes straight behind (laughs) wind. It was 15, and then it was zero. (laughs) So what Aaron was talking about, about learning your effective range, learning the effect that, you know, even a 15-mile-an-hour wind, even a a 6-mile-an-hour wind, when you're shooting a sub-quarter MOA rifle, at a, a vital size target and you're missing on your first shot and you're maybe missing on your second shot and you're having to have a spotter get you dialed in and all of that that's really really valuable information from a you know from an ethical hunting standpoint yes. no, Absolutely. You're, no you're not you're running the limitations of your gear you're running your limitations exactly well, and I think and too, we can work to improve. Yeah. And I think too then when you're in the field and you're hunting and you have a wind call um, you can make your correction so that uh, if you do miss, you're not going to wound that animal, right? Yeah. And, and if you guys noticed, when we were starting that rapid cycle, rapid fire, it was once we had our win. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Why we had our win. I got that because like, yeah. I saw that a few times yeah. on that 1150. You were just like sending them, and you're like, ping, ping. I'm like... He's hit. Yep, hit it again. Well, yeah. Here's another one. Hit it again. Like, you were just sending and all it. all those misses, I mean, one of the ones that you that missed were just a little off the left, left just because the wind changed. Because you got that window, right. and you're like, I got that window, I'm and I'm sending them as I'm fast as I can. <laughs> and you have an almost unnoticeable shift in the wind, but at 800 yards, it's changed it by enough to take you off target. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. It doesn't take a lot. And you don't have somebody sitting there with a Swarovski BTX and, a, and, a, and another Swarovski and another Swarovski. And, and, and it goes back to what I was talking about earlier, that fundamental mechanics of staying behind that rifle and spotting your own shot. Right. Um, 
if, if you know, you didn't hear anybody give us corrections, we gave ourselves a correction and sent them. You know what I mean? And that's important. You got to get to the point where you can spot that shot yourself because you're not always going to have that spotter there to hold your hand. So. Yeah, and, and, you know, you get on behind a rifle like mine that's 22 plus pounds. It's a hell of a lot easier than a seven and a half pound rifle. And right? a six five Creedmoor. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. So there's a, everything you got to consider. Your light, light rifle, the, the the airs are already there. It's not as forgiving. Um, like his rifle, you could be out of position and just basically just set it on there and shoot it, and it's still probably going to end up hitting the plate with yours. You had to actually be more conscientious of how you were holding it and how you were using it because it's light. It's not. It's, not, it's requiring you to absorb that recoil. Not the actual rifle is not going to do any work for you. Right. But what again I think is a testament to Altera too and, and what I was so impressed with is I mean I'm shooting this seven pound rifle and I'm spotting shots. I'm spotting my right. own shots. Yeah. You and know, they were consistent. And I'm shooting under. a big game hunting caliber. I'm not shooting a two two three. I'm yeah. not shooting. You can a, sit under the rifle and see where they're going. Right. Yeah. yeah. Today was one of the, the first times that I felt confident in spotting my own own round. I mean granted without you know, not without fail. There was a yeah. few times where I'm certainly coming <laughs> off of it. And follow through. I mean, the concept, absolutely. Yeah. Follow through, right? Yeah, I and mean, when I'm seeing my own, you know, Hold not flinching, not coming, you know, not having that recoil coming up, not losing the target, seeing the dust cloud, seeing all of that, right. it, it, it makes your next round that much different. You know, you know what to do at that point, well, or at least have an idea. Yeah, and it's not just a dust cloud. Now that's a wind meter, right? Like, right. There's all sorts of things you pick up. I was missing you, on purpose just to kind of gauge our right. wind down Of course you were. You did that for <laughs> me. Yeah, I, appreciate I appreciate that. that. I do that on occasion myself. That's before the short stroke. No, no, that was after short stroke number one, before short stroke number two. Damn it, when that bullet splatters on the target, there's dust everywhere, and you just can't learn anything from it. I I do got to share a story, because I'm standing there, I'm okay, I'm looking at this radial break, I'm like, God, this is going to be just a monster. We haven't shot live round yet. We're only doing... You're um, talking about a Fires. So so anyway, yeah, we won't won't go on manufacturers or rifles here, but um, other than Altera. But anyway, so I'm I'm like... so I'm, you know, and I'm the camera guy. That's that's my nickname. The weekend, you know, because I'm gonna, I tell you, I'm gonna put together a pretty badass video. But anyway, it. so I'm sitting there and I'm like, I'm anticipating, like, okay, this seven mag radial break's gonna just, you know, literally blow, stand everywhere. So I'm sitting there and I'm like, and then I hear Ryan like snickering, and then you know, I hear Mick Pie and I'm like, come on, all of a sudden you're click. I'm like, are you kidding me? <laughs> <laughs> just like, you just now got your nickname. Right. Right. Not yeah. only once, but twice. Yeah. Well, and actually, so I blamed it on the fact that I'm uh, used to a short mag load, and then I did it with the the six five, uh, yeah, the Creedmoor, and that's yeah. uh, no excuse there. So, hey, mm. hey, we all we all make and mistakes. If it makes any and, difference, if it makes but any you know difference, what? a good dry fire will tell you a lot, right? You know what? I so. learned I learned a little bit on every one of those. I yeah. learned that I wasn't flinching like I figured I would be. Yeah. So. No, there's well, a lot to learn the, there. Even. The other side of the apple is you could be like Travis and rip the bolt right out of the rifle. I guess I'm a little rough on things. I guess I'm a little more delicate. I have broke a few bolt action rifles, just parts of them. Yeah. So anyway, post post the Oahe Sahara Desert sandblast. So we kind of got through that phase, and then it was like, okay, let's open things up, right? Let's uh-huh. let's take some of the concepts that you guys have, have kind of blueprinted and instilled in us, and let's let's start shooting. So we started shooting, right? We started picking steel, and we started picking it out, and it was just incredible within a few shots how we were taking things. Okay, you're way left. The next thing you know, you're like, oh, you're right over the target. Like, that self-correction like you guys were talking about it and Aaron you were hitting on it right you gotta 
you got a fifty thousand dollar you know stone sheep standing there that you've paid on this tag and if you shoot over its back hey he probably doesn't know because if you're shooting at that far distance he has no idea what's happening but correcting yourself was key and having spotters is, is helpful but again we're not going to have this application on our own when we're hunting right mm-hmm. we're going to be out in a situation where we need to be able to correct ourselves and i think that's one thing i can take away was learning from each shot that we did you know and then even if we hit plate and then we miss the next shot self-correcting even based on that next shot following mm-hmm. that so you gain the confidence in yourself that you can do that because you've seen how to do it and you now you know it will work right and even if you do have an impact you can see the tendency right because where did i hit on that plate Right? And yeah. You can see, okay. High left. Even if you hit the right. plate, cool, you hit the plate, but it was high left. Well, right. that could be the difference of a no man's land on an animal versus yep. hitting lungs, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. So, no, that was super helpful for me. And then what was super cool is just stretching stuff out. I mean, that's always kind of the fun thing, right? I mean, I've, I've shot my rifle at just under, I think it was 980. I'd never shot 1,000 yards. And then here we're, we're planking steel at 1152 with you know all the various several rifles several rifles that were sitting there and every rifle i think that's yeah. just i mean personal you said you called it out oh, there's yeah. a pr yeah absolutely PR for yeah. me and I've never even tried to shoot that far to be honest with you yeah but again in a system where you're confident and we were interchanging on different rifles and you could still sit underneath that system and everyone and was shooting different rifles at the same time and getting it and with the, with the, with the 1150 yards it's not like we're, we're telling you this is your ethical hunting range the whole intention what we're actually teaching you is you've given you confidence that you can shoot that far so now when you got within your six or 700 yards or it's a chip yard, shot right it, it, i can do this yeah i, I know this will work i can make this happen yeah and so it takes away that self-doubt that you're going to do when you go actually uh, um, you know, press the trigger and put the, the bullet on the meat. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, and you, mentioned, you mentioned gun manufacturers, but uh, I won't say anything more about that other than do you guys do trade-ins? Because going from mine to the Altera guns, I just I believe I don't know if, if a pawn shop's in our business model or not. So. <laughs> Ouch. Um, rhetorical yeah. question. Yeah, I, I think you're just going to have to have a boat accident. Yeah, exactly. Like, like we all talk about. Right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I, I mean, need a new You can never have enough anyways. And so, yeah, you know, that's a good point. Yeah, like I said, I'm a, I'm, I'm a huge fan now that I've learned what I've learned and shot a few of the... Well, the guns, guns you need is N plus one. N's the current number, and right. you need one more. Right, right. <laughs> Who's it's never need? guns anyway, right? <laughs> right? It's never a need. It seems just yeah. kind of a want. And then you come here, and you start seeing these. You start shooting them, and you're like, I think I need to kind of have one of those. Because yeah, right. they're just fun. Yeah. They are well, just fun. Well, I mean, the, the confidence that comes in a system like that is is worth the money. Right. Um, especially, like you were saying, Lucas, you know, you're, you're looking at a $50,000 stone sheet. Why, why skimp? Yeah. Right. If you ruin that animal, you don't recover him. You just paid $50,000 and you came home without a stone sheep, right? Yeah. Right. And so that may be the difference, but that in itself is worth every single penny, right? Because you may not be able to close the canyon to get to that sheep and you got to make a 700-yard shot, mm-hmm. right? Having the confidence to do that and a system to do that, that I mean, and that was that's important. Really, the the whole thing behind the Altera rifle was to build that rifle. We'd been on those hunts where you spent all that money, the best shot you saw was 700 yards. You better have something that can make it or you're just going to look at it at 700 yards. Yeah. Take cool pictures. 
shoot it with pictures. Yeah, that's yeah. why you got to bring camera guy with you. <laughs> <laughs> well, and so to take it back to the car analogies for a second, yeah, maybe your you know custom uh, competition setup is a Rolls Royce, right? But man, that Altera Mountain Shadow Carbon is a G wagon, right? Because it's going to go anywhere and it yep. is luxurious, right? But yep. with that, that's pretty that being said, Ryan, I got to ask you, even with that Altera rifle prior to today. Do you think you would have been making those shots? Because I tell a lot of my customers, because they'll ask me, what can I get? What's the best range for? I don't know. What should I get next? And I would say, training. You need to learn how to run that gun. I completely agree. And so I've shot a lot of really nice rifles, and I've, I've owned some really accurate rifles. Um, you know, this one surpasses them all. And, you know, I, I've got a range on my property that I can go out to 850 yards, and I use it. Uh, and so I've, I've pulled off shots at that distance but I was never confident there was always kind of an element of surprise and part of that was equipment and part of that was now all of a sudden I have this understanding of okay why is this happening when I when I pulled that shot you know it I, I can't say that the rifle all of a sudden turned into a, a two MOA rifle when it was shooting half MOA at 100 yards it's because I made some minor mistake that cost me at distance mm-hmm. one going all the way but back now you know how to adjust it and then check for yourself to know where my mistake is affecting this and how i can correct it that's what i was just going to say going back to the beginning that box that box deal we did i mean you can do that if you're starting to have issues or something and you're not sure if it's you or the equipment go out and do that and you can you can figure out if those springs are are starting to wear or if there's a mechanical <laughs> issue yeah mm-hmm. on, on your turrets you know that the other issue. thing that was really cool is so okay we you know we we survived the windstorm we get back into the tent a little bit more instruction and then you turned us loose. You said, okay, range is open. Have fun. Fire just, away. Shoot, just pick your target and shoot it, and we'll call. We'll, uh, we'll, right. We were calling wind. Just Well, the wind was a nightmare today. Yeah, I mean, it was a brutal mess. It was everywhere. But it was, we, were, we were still hitting them. And yeah. I knew that the whole time you guys were sitting there watching us. Oh, yeah. And every <laughs> once in a while, I feel those eyes burning a hole. You know, and it's like, okay, pause, take a breath. What am, what am I doing? You know, focus on the fundamentals. Because, yeah, I can just sling ammo down range or I can take my time and I can get that first round hit because there's mm-hmm. nothing that feels so good <laughs> as still yeah, don't lie you know <laughs> that sound that you just whack. hit that target that whack you just can't replace that sound <laughs> yeah right? and you just hit that target at 800 yards and now you plug your dope into your ballistic calculator and you bring it back to 424 yards mm-hmm. and you hammer the target yeah you know, and then you take it back out to 624 yards. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, maybe miss a couple times because the wind was messing with us. But the misses weren't large. I mean, they're usually just a little off the right. There was a couple times where we, uh, the, the, the wind was just so, so, I mean, it was switchy left and right or just stop. Yeah. In, the, in between shots. Then it shots. was just calm. Like, <laughs> then we're all standing there. We're, we're like, okay, who's shooting? There's like no wind right now. We're all looking around like, uh, I'm looking in my spotting scope. I'm seeing like no flagging moving. I'm like, now's probably a good time to be shooting. Which, <laughs> if you're a Mick, you'd have just been hammering at that point. You're like, all right, we're running. Up. Send it. Send it. Send it. Yeah. Okay. Live fire. Send it. Live fire. Send it. Yeah. And then as soon as you get behind the gun, you know, two minutes of wind correction turns into seven minutes of wind correction. Turns into three minutes of wind correction. <laughs> and then we have a time 
like, we start no in. We, we started out we're like we're shooting. We're like it's seven uh, seven m away, and then all of a sudden we're down to no m away, and then we're back to seven within a matter of like less than two minutes. Yeah, and yeah. The other reason like five rounds in between that whole entire transition. The other yeah. the other thing that I thought about today was the reason you guys run those downrange and can make those corrections so fast is because you practice. Obviously, aside from your your past and you know the years of experience. Um, me, I'm sitting there, and it takes me you know, 30 seconds to run another round down range. And by the time I make that seven MOA windage correction, it's changed. it's changed. And we were seeing that consistently. And so being able to, to, to not think about it, but to just second nature, be able to make that windage correction and hit it while the wind is still doing what you made that correction for. Right. So that, that's huge. Well, like Nick said, the wind is the black art. And, and I hope today, even though, you know, you guys were getting wind calls, you were at least watching the indicators so you could kind of get an idea of what we were watching and how we were making those calls yeah and every miss from here on out you guys is an opportunity to know what it was and look at those indicators before you squeeze the trigger know what you think it is and know what it was after you shoot and eventually you'll make those calls too very easily so yeah. we're gonna stand we're gonna send short stroke out there on that $50,000 goat and tie a wind string on him. <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to live that one down, am I? Why a wind string? Just send him with a kestrel. Can you give me a target? Thank you. Uh, well, I'm shooting a 308, so I'm going to have plenty of opportunity to uh, see wind. the effects of wind on the yes. well, I'll give you an idea, Ryan, that you guys can play. If you have 850 yards, one of you can be standing at 850 yards. The other one can be standing at the shooting position. Obviously, you're not going to be shooting but you can be talking back and forth with okay this is what i'm seeing what's the win there and see how close you are yeah. i mean it's a t if you've got somebody with you you utilize that and your yep. team at that point doesn't well, matter this kind of caveats us into a different technical piece around mirage and and really how mirage plays into effect like so i i mean all of us have pretty good glass right i mean mm -hmm. looking around what we got and we've invested a lot in glass but the best glass in the world if you've got heat heavy mirage I mean, okay, yeah, you hit it. I have no idea where you hit it. It washes but, out, yeah. Exactly. So maybe you guys can highlight a little bit about Mirage, maybe some of the tips and tactics that you guys use for that. Basically, I mean, for, for Mirage is me, it's just kind of on the angle, and there's a scientific theory, and they give you all the mechanical. That's, I mean. Well, it, up to 12 miles an hour, and then yeah. it's running flat, and you it, just don't know. Well, what's going to happen is usually when the wind's over 12 miles an hour, it's going to wash out the, the Mirage approximately. I mean, it's all different, but you'll still see Mirage. That's kind of the number. But it, that's kind of the number, but. We were still seeing Mirage, and we were dealing with, a, I mean, some really high winds today. Um, but you're still seeing it, it's just all flat. So, you know, you're, we're kind of guessing and going off field. And that was one of the disadvantage for me being inside that tent. I'm used to being outside um, and feeling the wind and knowing when it's changing. Because so when I, I know when it's gonna, when it's changing in me, it's changing downrange. It's going to be a different change. Yeah, you've got to read your that, terrain. Yeah, and so... Um, sure. That's where the because so, if it's changing me, it's changing on drains, and I'm able to actually get a feel for that change after shooting in that environment. And that's where a limitation. And it was the first time I've ever shot uh, in a, a completely or really spotted under a, a covered environment like that. Um, I'll probably be outside more because now we're going into the more technical or the more functional aspects of this one. So, like when you do these 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 courses, are, are they're structured like a sushi menu. The only one you really have to do is today because we're going to give you the foundations. We're going to teach you how to look for yourself tomorrow. I mean, you can do, tomorrow we're going to do alternate shooting positions and we're going to do unknown shooting, but a 
distances, but we can move into moving target, we can start moving into high angle, and you can also even do a more of a specific focus on actually wind reading and how to actually gain your confidence in reading wind. And there's different tra training drills. We just can't build that within, I mean, within the time frame we've got. Um, for one, um, six hours, six, seven hours on the range, it, it's it's a long, grueling day, and we didn't shoot yeah. a lot. And it goes uh, fast. It I does. Mean, it goes it, super it, fast. It, it drains you. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it is. And you can't get down right now. So. <laughs> right. Yeah. But yeah. I, the other thing I would add about Mirage, when you're looking at the target, you, you notice that target just becomes blurry, right? And so I cut that target in half. Uh, vertically and horizontally and that's kind of how I take the, the rough edges off of it when okay. I'm looking at the target well and the other the other thing is if you're driving that rifle properly and you're right. staying behind it the advantage of a heavy mirage day is you're also going to be able to spot that vapor trail a lot more right and so you, this was your first time seeing vapor wasn't it uh, no not necessarily but consistently like that okay. yeah no that was that was awesome especially looking through good glass on that uh, you know on that, you know, the big spotting scope, and you can just track that thing and watch it lob in. And yeah, just, right. it was, yeah, it's like the whole Matrix bullets flying through the air. Just it's cool. Yeah. It's yeah. cool seeing that. Yeah. Maybe just real quick, I mean, crazy enough for it an hour, and these things just go like crazy, but I think gear is an important part of kind of this conversation. I mean, you, know, you talked a little bit about Travis. I mean, you've had people with $50 scopes and trying to work them through that, but then you got guys that show up with, you know, I mean, you know, two, $3,000 scope optics. You got a, you know, really high quality rifle. But again, all of that stuff is great. But I mean, at the end of the day, I mean, quality we all know is important. And looking through a Swarovski versus a Bushnell, there's a clear difference, right? Mm -hmm. But I know a lot of guys that use Bushnell scopes or have spot and they kill a lot of stuff and they're very proficient. So I think gear is important, but maybe you can speak to, and you guys have tripods and you have, you know, range finders that are, you know, the price of a rifle. But why do you guys feel like that maybe that equipment and the stuff that you guys use, you guys stand behind that stuff? And where do you see maybe the differences there? Uh, the equipment we have is because um, it's, it's a confidence issue. I know this equipment. I've tested it. And I have literally abused the living daylights out of this equipment. Um, I know it's gonna, not going to fail me when I need it to work. Um, that's what you're really going to gain to. Those, can you make these, uh, lower, uh, these lower quality uh, uh, equipment out there? work yes you can make it work and what's going to do is it's going to build your confidence in how to make it work you're just going to learn your little tweaks or little knickknacks like i know this is going to do this or this my equipment's going to do this whereas i take this <clears throat> i can take the the range finder and it's going to perform i know what it's i can connect new i can know how it's going to manufacture and i know it's exactly what it's going to do for me what i'm going to get out sure. of that, that, that device um it's, so it goes back to confidence, really. Yeah, it's built, it's, and, and confidence doesn't have to be in the equipment. I mean, the equipment's going to function, but you've got to be able to gain the confidence within yourself. And usually you get quality get equipment, it's going to give you the confidence to know that I've got what I need to do the job. I just need to do the job. Yeah. So yeah. The biggest, not being able to blame the gun. Right. Or the gun or even the equipment. And so, yeah. <laughs> right. The biggest thing I see is, particularly on the hunting side, is guys will buy a really nice rifle, and then they will... Cheap scope. Cheap scope. And I'm like, oh, my God. Sure. You know, you just you just wasted Walmart that tires whole, on a Ferrari. Right. And I'm like, God. <laughs> okay, you'd rather you see know, it the other way around, I would assume. I, I would. Yeah. I would. Because that optic is everything. Um, and I, I kind of take the mindset of buy once, cry once, right? If you... And you can get by with midline equipment, and there's and you can have a lot of fun, and, and you can do that. And I would suggest if that's what you can afford, get out and do it, right? Buy what you can afford, buy right? I mean, not afford. everyone can yep. buy an I-4 scope, right? Right, right. 
Yeah, you, you buy what you can afford, and you make it work the best it possibly can. Right. And yeah. that's that's what you Within do. Within your price range. Yep. Yeah. But I would I would say that you you do get what you pay for in this game, right? For sure. And so, and you you've seen all my equipment. It's all super high end stuff. But this is what I do. So. Yeah. I mean, you know, you got you got to balance your your old your regular life versus this too. So I think we all understand that. Yeah. I mean, it's really. Oh, go ahead. I was just saying, you know, if you're a farmer, you haven't really introduced <laughs> the farmer yet. You want like the best nutrient ground, like right? You want the best area right. and dirt that you can grow the best finds, right? right. If you're a you know, if you're a but you figure out how you make do with what you got, right? <laughs> what he's done is he's taken the equipment. So his land is fixed. He's never going to be able to change where he's located his operating. But he's uh, over the years he's learned how to actually maximize and what his ground you needs to dial in. He's learned how to tweak in. his equipment to actually Absolutely. perform to what he needs to to actually do exactly what he wants to do. So what I like with the uh, well, my my only take on his optics is what I tell people. Buy the premier optic that you need to put on your rifle and then build the rifle um, to fit that optic. And the reason why is because, as you can see, glass is doing most of our work on this game. Yeah, it, for and sure. The glass really is. And with the, with the, with the Altera, you get this, you take that phenomenal glass, you're going to buy a, uh, uh, the rifles start around right around $55 to $6,500 for most of the rifles. You're going to buy that and then you're going to go put a $1,000 scope on that. You're not maximizing it will the, will the system work yes but you're not maximizing it's like what Chris was good with his the optics and stuff on there enhance that uh, the equipment's ability to actually perform for sure so well I've I mean we want to start talking about optics I mean I I could you know mortgage my optics with what I have and, and probably buy another home if I wanted to but I do that because I know how important optics are and yeah. I'm a bow hunter so I've got you're a bow hunter, but you look at the optics you're running with, and optics is not. I mean, I don't have optics on my bow, but I got a set of three thousand dollar Leica Geovids on my chest. I got uh-huh. a, you know, a thousand dollar rangefinder on my side, and I got a, you know, a sixty-five hundred dollar spotting scope on my backpack because if I need to break an animal down, or if I need to sit three miles away and look at a stone sheep and play, and they know that it's eight years old and it's a full curl. That's why I have optics to the quality that I do because I know that's the difference, mm-hmm. and I will cry. Many times, but then I realized the next day I don't have buyer's remorse. I think I called you on the way home after I bought my BTX. I'm like, you know what? I'm actually really happy I bought this, and I'm yeah. like super stoked that uh, I bought this. And you know, but not everyone's in that position, sure, right? And sure. I think that's the key. If if it's a if it's a Vortex Diamond, you know, Diamondback, or if it's a what have you. Spend what you can, spend the best amount of money that you can, and learn the equipment that you have, and use it to the best of your ability. Right. When you buy something, you should be crying a little bit because you got to stretch it just as far as you can in order to be really satisfied. I have to talk myself into it. These, you know, these guys are married. They're like, you know, hey, honey, I gotta. Well, this is the trade-off. This is how this works. Off is when you're married, you always buy the exact same piece of equipment, and so they can't tell there's a difference. Right. Exactly. You know this is recorded, right? Right. They're probably gonna <laughs> What's the adage, right? You never tell them how much it's really worth until they're gone, and then your buddies go to sell it or something like that. <laughs> right. Sorry, honey, the podcast thing just didn't work out. Yeah. <laughs> and I will say, though, when it comes to the, the price point and, and the optics that we have available now, the long-range game or PRS, NRL, whatever you shoot, um, has really lent these companies to building 
some pretty nice entry level stuff. So yeah, I there think really you can. There really is a lot of options out yeah. there now. Yeah, yeah. yeah. at a good price options. point, right? Yeah. You don't have any price point on like a Zeiss to be in the game. I mean, you predominantly shoot a lot of Vortex, right? And and known for really high-end quality glass I went in, but also at the beginner entry level, they have they stuff provide that's... provide you for everything you want. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a full array of, of, of glass there, and uh, and again, make a good quality product. It's it's not, you know, German and Aust- Austrian optics, but at the same time, they, they do make a great optic, and, and it's something affordable for people, yes. you know, for everyone, for everyone that's looking to do that, mm-hmm. so... Gears just—I mean, I'm a gear junkie, so yeah. We you guys saw what I brought into the, the tent. I mean, he gives me crap all the time, but it's like I'm one of those guys. I want the best of the best, and I just yep. don't want—I want to limit the amount of failure that I could have happen in the field. And I know if I have the best quality equipment, the you know the possibility or percentage of error is very limited. You know, I want the error to be on me. Right. I right. want yep. me to be the one that makes the error, not my equipment. And like it gives you that confidence in. Because you know you're. Because I know I can self-correct, right? right? I know I can make the change or the tweak or what have you. But if your equipment's failing, you lose confidence in yourself and your equipment, right? right. And, and that's it, a problem if you're in the it, field. And it's like we talked about when we were doing the tests on the scopes, the tra- the tracking tests, right? And and I've got that particular scope, that Collis, that has literally had. 20,000 rounds underneath it, you know, I mean, it's been on that rifle for a long time through through like five or six barrels. And how did it track today? Right? I mean, it was, <laughs> it was incredible flawless. shooting that. Right? It was incredible shooting. That was great. So, yeah, I mean, I'm not going to have to go buy another scope because that one takes a dump, right? So what does it cost over time? What does it cost per use? And I think that's the thing people really got to think about when they're buying these high-end rifles, high-end scopes, is that it's cost per use. Because you get five years into the game and, and now your equipment's all worn out and doesn't work, you're going to have to buy another one. Well, yeah. now you're paying the same amount that you could have just had the one Bought and it once, had right? all the frustration. Buy it right. the first time. and that's, yeah. that's how we do it in ag. You know, we look at cost per acre. We look at cost per day of coverage on, on materials that we're applying. And it's not about what a gallon of a material costs. It's how much that breaks down how to be per gallon. Will go. Yeah. yeah. And, and what's this going to give you on your yield return? Yeah. yeah for sure. Not to mention the, uh, you know, a cheaper scope might fail on you. What's the cost of that? Really, this game starts with any equipment um, starts at about three hundred dollars, and just accept it. Uh, that was that's where the game's at, and, and yeah. most of your premier stuff are going to be usually about they're going to start about fifteen when you fifteen hundred dollars when you start actually getting into the stuff that you're going to start having confidence in. It's, it's never going to fail you. You're talking about a box of ammo, right? <laughs> yes, yeah, just a box of yeah, ammo. Just box of ammo. So you three hundred, and then you just go up from there. That's the right. primers. That's just the primers for the box of ammo. <laughs> but you know that incredible. That that uh, Lupo VX5 HD. I'm running three to fifteen by forty-four uh-huh. on my rifle, and like we talked about a little bit earlier, there was a little bit of mechanic, sure. you know, machining flaw in it. Uh-huh. But it was also extremely repeatable. Yeah. So once we went through all of the calibration procedures that you guys offer, yep. and we figured out what yep. that margin of error was, it repeated time yep. and time and time and time again. And and that's an eleven hundred dollar retail scope. Mm-hmm. 
you know, and the they're, glass. They're good scope. Glass is great. Great. They, they, they have some amazing glass. I'm really yeah. impressed with the clue and the glass they've been offering lately. Yeah, yeah, and even in that sandstorm, I mean, our rifles were <laughs> sitting out. You we know, got the bee blasted. <laughs> everything else was layered in they sand, did. and those lenses just sloughed that off like nothing. <laughs> yeah. No, there's some... To, to kind of put a bow around that, there's some incredible equipment on the market. There's no question. And, and I, I think it, it just lends, you know, to that discussion that you can have the best of the best and you can have a great system, even like Ryan has, and, and they all still perform and they all still, you know, within their limitations, you can make them work and you can work within those. And, and I if think you that's know what's cool. limitations. That's, you know, that's the point of the calibration is actually learn where those limitations are. So yeah, you for can sure. Adjust them. Yeah. You understand them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I just reflect real quick, and we can recap. We're, we're here at an hour and 20 minutes. But, you know, I'd, for me, like, if I could take away anything, it's like I learned how to basically set myself up to do this correctly. Like, mm-hmm. you know, like I said, I've been shooting a rifle a long time, and but I didn't know that I had so many little, just little tweaks that I needed to do just in getting set up on the rifle, right? And nine times out of ten, I'm if I'm shooting a rifle, it's off my pack, you know, whether my pack's vertical and I'm sitting down or my pack's down and I'm... Tr- so, like, today was, like, probably best-case scenario, proned out, right, on a shooting mat, having bags there, like... But that's not always realistic, but... We're, shoot- we're going to shoot prone tomorrow for a cold board, and after that, you're going to be all up and uh, from everything above that. But yeah. you'll see the mechanics apply from prone all the way to standing. We're going to square up. We're going to find the best way to support ourselves, the rifle, the you know, using our bone structure to, to reestablish that so you are managing that recoil. You well, and st- learning the value of that temporary discomfort. When you're mm-hmm. learning something new, like I said, I've been shooting for 30 plus years. I learned a lot of new things and it was uncomfortable at first. And initially my instinct was to be like, screw this. You shoot a few more shots and, and you realize the value in it. Yeah. No, huge takeaway for me. And like I said, I'm I'm a guy that might pull the rifle out for one tag a year to deer hunt. But at the same time, well, let's talk about coyotes, though. Yeah, I shoot all coyotes. <laughs> That's true. Those are different, though. That's just like spray. <laughs> shoot them as many times as you can. But back to that point, I mean, you draw. I draw. I drew a Nevada deer tag last year. I applied for ten years, right? That's a hundred and fifty dollar license a year for ten years. That's two grand. And then you draw the tag. You drive there. It's a five seven thousand dollar hunt by the time you're done, right? And it was a rifle tag, and I drew it with some friends that had points. So we kind of point point shared together. But it's like, here's a situation where I got this rifle that I had built out of the box. You know, great shooter. It's a, it's a Model 700. It's nothing great, but it's got a good optic on it. Mm-hmm. Shoots well, but... Shot really well. I had to make a shot on that hunt, and I made the shot. And I, you know, I shot a decent buck. wasn't the buck I was looking for, but that's ten years of applying for a tag. That when the moment of truth comes, and it was like the second to last day that I could hunt, you got to make it happen, right? And uh, and I've learned so much just today that I could have probably used for years of times that I've missed and times that I've like went home and I've like you know, ready on, like, suicide watch because I missed the shot, right? I mean, had soup tag. Exactly. Yeah. I've cooked it in many different ways, and it doesn't taste good, so. Well, now they're plastic, so it's even worse. Well, in Montana, they're paper. You print them off from from a printer now, so they're not even plastic. But, no, I just, again... We're going to learn a lot tomorrow, but today so many things learned just on my behalf, and I'm sure you guys can expound on that. But Same. Just, I mean, 
I don't really have to, you know, push this class. I mean, you guys do some incredible stuff, Thank and uh, and it was well worth the time today, and had a lot of fun amidst the weather, but. Um, we all agree. I mean, and the company. It's, it's Idaho, right? <laughs> Give it five minutes, it'll change. Exactly. You know, Alaska in September. If you don't like the weather, just wait five minutes. But yeah, no, the company was good too. We we all had to earn our nicknames today. So yeah, yeah give that a Some, couple of glasses. That'll change too. That's true. Yeah. Some more willing than others. Yeah. But no, I, great time and uh, had a lot of fun today. So yeah. anyway, any just any last closing comments? If you're looking to improve your your knowledge and your skill set, these guys are the people to do that. It's it's incredible. Just and that's just with what six hours of uh, time together today. So yeah, well, probably a little bit less than that because we had to take a break because oh, that yeah. sandstorm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> sandstorm was but, but I, I think Travis would agree. Uh, you know, we're one outlet of this kind of training. There's other ones out there. So if you're not this close or you can't come this far I'd still encourage you to seek somebody out local to you the training is Get a, the training, a big right? deal yeah. yeah well that's the other dynamic we have the ability to, to travel to different locations um, especially if you have the facility or if you have a, a ranch we can go down there and we can do it and I've got we've got ranges in California several in Texas uh, several locations in Idaho I can do it I can do uh, Washington and I have a friend in Montana I could actually you go have caught our attention if you actually really see the way the courses are structured they're not a they're it's it's a range where you can shoot and actually trust and have confidence within the ability yeah and build, it's low pressure i mean that that to me is what's ex, what are we expecting like is it going to be regimented we got military guys it's going to be regimented but it's like no it was like low pressure and that's i, I appreciate that because i've shot at one of your competitors when i bought that rifle i went up to cody i shot the two-day course and they gave a safety briefing and the next thing you know we're running we're running lead down range like immediately and like that wasn't the script today right it was get to know your system get to know there wasn't education it was here we're going to burn the tile we're going to set the dial you're going to shoot and you're going to shoot a thousand yards within an hour and you're like this is so awesome which it's cool to shoot a thousand yards but i've learned more about my system today that i have than i learned from the manufacturer that i that i purchased it from okay right that's, so it's cool i just yeah. you know so you're right i mean Training is important, but I think if you get the right training, that you, you definitely want to vet the the trainer, make sure they're doing a good comprehensive course. But it, the I just like to throw that out there. Training is important. When guys ask me what's the next thing I should buy, training is always my answer. Go find a viable trainer. If you can't find one, we've got one. Uh, if if you can't come here, we'll come to you. Like that's, yeah, that's the big deal. Help us help you, right? Yeah. Well, I think too, you know, and you guys are obviously experienced shooters. You're not right out of the right out of the gate. So you know, in that first phase or that first portion, when we're helping you tune your equipment in, we're getting to know you as well, and we're kind of modifying our training around where your guys are already at right so yeah. everyone's experience may be a little bit different so we'll we'll kind of tailor start that where right? you need to right yeah and we felt that i i definitely did yeah i noticed that for sure well yeah. you guys kind of told us at the gate like you guys have good setup like we're not spending two hours on setup like you guys have that well i didn't have a good setup to start but i was a quick learner and I took the training that you guys gave, and he had to remind me a few times, like, hey, dude, your setup's terrible. Like, okay, and that's probably why I made a bad shot, right? So that constant tutelage for me is important because, I mean, I'm human, and we fall back into our old habits, right? So we're going back to what we what is learned comfort, and we're trying to you basically got to evaluate where 
proper comfort or a, a more effective form of comfort. Sure. So I guess the last thing, are, are we going to earn new nicknames tomorrow? Is that part of how this class works? Or every day is a new opportunity. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I hope so. Every day, every day is a new opportunity. Somebody wants out of their S squared. Can I be long <laughs> No. I'm not sure what that'll take. I think Travis is taking the cake on that one, breaking bolt actions. <laughs> Several times. <laughs> I don't need this one. Well, no, I, again, I just... I'm glad to be here. Um, it, it's cool to be here. It's one. It's good to be out of California. We'll just say that. It's like right when we got the Nevada line, it was like, <sighs> oh yeah, it was like the air just smelled different. The <laughs> diaphragm just like <laughs> empty. to America. Like today, like we had this class, and the next thing you know, like this Ford shows up and has this complete spread for lunch. Oh, it's like yeah, I haven't ate this good in like. I mean, I'm single, so I mean, I cook for myself, right? It's <laughs> peanut butter and jelly and maybe eggs if I'm lucky, but it's like just the whole experience has been awesome, right? Yeah, I mean, from, from meeting you guys, getting your instruction to the lunch to obviously being here with friends, like, it's just been an awesome experience. Well, and I know we had the option to sign up for a one-day or a two-day course. Um, you know, I'm sure we'll learn plenty more tomorrow, but... I'm just really not done shooting either. So <laughs> do the two-day course. Yeah. Yeah. Who cares about ammo shortage? We'll find the ammo. Yeah. Right? There's something out. There's a way. And, you know, I'm glad you brought up the food because we have to give a, a shout-out. It was your mom, right? That yeah, my mom. It was a home-cooked meal. We're sitting here thinking, man, peanut butter and jelly, like, you know. Pizza. Luke, Luke Where are you going to get pizza? Cold pizza. <laughs> and, and point. Of course, our instructor's mother shows up with this home-cooked uh, lunch, and, and you're and your dad as well, I suppose, and and man, it was amazing. Stepdad, yeah, stepfather, okay. And it was it was it was a great experience. That that really added to the experience right and there. He's more known affectionately as Grumpy Fucker. You know, I noticed that. Yeah. I wasn't gonna say Adios, it. Grumpy Fucker. It's funny how all roads lead to politics, and they're like, okay, I like this guy now. I really like this guy. You guys are all right, Californians. Uh, so your license plates. You ought to take them plates off when you come. Well. He's a, he's, a, he's a recovering Californian. Yeah, as you said. <laughs> we only got flipped off like 10 times on the way up here, so yeah, right. it's all good. Well, as, as much as, and we're super happy that you guys had fun, right? Like, that's what we were trying to do, give you some education, but just know we had a good time with you guys as well. Like, it's great to get to know you guys. You guys are awesome. Welcome up here anytime. So, thank you well, for sharing your time you with us. For <laughs> yeah. well, just another note, you know, it's so easy to come into an experience like this feeling uh, tense, intimidated. Um, wanting to be cocky, you know, you don't want, it never feels good to get corrected, right? Um, it felt good. It felt good. Yeah. 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 So. And open the bolt on the way. Don't show it. You may never live this down, Kyle. I'm sorry. The never. problem with the podcast is you can't see the look on my face. <laughs> to kind of go back to what Aaron was talking about, the, the training, there's a lot of options you do have out there for training. But one difference is we are, is these are only private lessons. So you're actually, every training is module is actually structured to your needs as an individual. So, I mean, that's the kind of the one difference we're actually being able to put out there is this is 
designed to what you need to to be successful. Yeah. So we're not just you're not showing up with you're showing up with friends. You're not showing up with uh, a class people um, you don't know you don't know, and you're trying to make a system work. And so you have that insecurities. Now you're dealing with insecurities, dealing with people. Now you're out here that knowing people you're here working and doing and performing with people you know and trust and that's the only thing we offer we don't offer large group setting classes yeah, we, we yeah. cap it at two shooters per instructor we were extremely excited to find out it was just going to be and us we didn't know that like we're like going in like is there going to be other people we don't know but like no, it's knowing like, I've had trigger time with these guys like I trust these guys right uh-huh. in a range and that's important like just having that piece of, of kind of you know peace of mind if you will and knowing that um, that's huge. Yeah, right. You're not on a firing line with Arlie or Ermy pacing around behind you. <laughs> no, yeah, it's, I mean, right. it's literally, it's structured for you as an individual, as a shooter. So, yep. I mean, that's what we're really, you can go to anyone you want. And if, if, you, if they, yeah, after you've let them, go to them. If, they, if you think in game, what we're, what we're gaining to you, uh, what, our, what we're trying to do to basically distinguish ourselves, you're getting a, a, a unique, uh, one only option on the market with a rifle, and that's the training. The training is actually, stru- you've got to handpick every aspect of that rifle is yours, correct? Uh, everything on that rifle is what you specifically uh, requested and that's really where the training structure as well is you're getting exactly what you want right. so yeah. we, we felt it yeah and that's and I think that's an important key and obviously you're coming here to learn how to shoot long range that's kind of the idea of the school but yeah we will structure it to any specific need that you guys have anyone has right yeah awesome day yep that's awesome looking day. forward Can't to day two looking forward to day two and Heck, we're only halfway through, so tomorrow is another day. Well, that's another day of nicknames. Definitely so bring eye drops. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right? Hopefully. Well, we thought it was going to be raining, and we we, we, we did. got some. We got some hail, even. <laughs> yeah, we did escape that, but you know the wind is. You know, sometimes I'd rather take rain than than that wind and that dust storm that we, we had. We but, was actually relieved to get the rain. <laughs> yeah. By the time that dust storm was blowing through, can't control Mother Nature as we know. So anyway, just again from from our from our perspective, uh, appreciate your guys' time with us, taking time out of your obviously busy days and, and kind of giving us some some training and some tutelage and, and making us more proficient and, and, and better shooters. I think at the end of the day, we can go home and, and we can put these skills to use, right? Yeah. And, and uh, so that's to me, that's that's what this is all about. So appreciate appreciate what you guys are doing and, and look forward to another day tomorrow. So yeah. appreciate it. We'll have look fun. forward to having you out again. Thanks, guys. Okay. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks, guys. All right. Thank we'll you. catch you tomorrow. Hey listeners, this is Lucas Paw, host of the RNA Outdoors podcast. Check out our website at rnaoutdoors.com to find all of our podcast platforms. Go listen today where you podcast. Additionally, leave a review and a five-star rating. These reviews help boost our popularity and outreach. You can also follow us on our social media outlets, Instagram at Rod and Arrow Outdoors, Facebook RNA Outdoors and YouTube, RNA Outdoors. All links are in the show notes as well. We hope you'll pass along our channel to your friends and colleagues. Subscribe today and follow along on the journey. Travis wants that microphone right down his throat. (laughs) 
Ooh. I'm a knuckle dragon mouth breather, so I like to keep it a little farther away so you don't get all the something about short stroke today. That might come out. I don't know. <laughs> Just saying. And you know what? I can't use the excuse of uh, shooting a full magnum cartridge because no, I did it, it on the Creed 4. <laughs> yeah. So we're not on the air. How many times did that happen? Just... Three. Okay. Um, and a half. Three, three, three and a half. Three and a half. Or three Plus the mag dump. That, that was witnessed. Right. That's right. true. Witnessed. <laughs> hey, man, it was a little rough start to the day for me. That was a good little technique check. Well, that's right. Because that part when you out, think though. the gun's going to go off and then it dry fires and you don't flinch, that's that a good was, sign. That was a good thing. You know what? It was, yeah. That's I, why I didn't tell you the second but then time. This, this, the, the next two times were not really necessary. So. <laughs> man, what did I miss? But they were oh, yeah. Oh, dude, you should have seen that windstorm out today. I gained a nickname. Unbelievable. <laughs> real deal. I think I'm going to be picking big old dirt coaters out of my nose for the next week. Couple weeks. I already did that. Yeah. They're in Ryan's back seat. <laughs> That's what I always do in his back seat. He left the dirt boogers. No short stroking in the back seat. <laughs> what about hard stroking? <laughs> Just starch in the pants. That's all. Starch in the pants. <laughs> Aaron's openly gay school of shooting. Hey, you're the left-hander here, dude. <laughs> I'm correct-handed. Oh, wait. Right. Oh. Ah. Lucas is left-handed, too. Lucas oh. is left-handed, well. too. It's okay. So he had to suffer through that. God made people left-handed just so <laughs> all the right-handers would feel sorry for us. <laughs> well, you guys are in luck. My dad's a lefty, and so I had to build him a rifle, and right. that means you guys get lefties, too. Right. <laughs> right. Hey, I'm... I'm totally good with that. Hurry the fuck up. <laughs> Hopefully you're recording all this. We'll just start it off. You, you know, I, you know I, was, I was working on a Saturday. Yeah, just I think so I noticed which range days. Yeah, they just range days. They just got, uh, well, this one here just says shooting course. I like all terror range days. That's pretty good. Yeah, that works. Yeah. Not that I have a say in it. I think you should call it Fun in the Desert with Travis, clothing optional. <laughs> fun in the Sahara Desert, right? Um, dust storm. Right? And well, then I, once want, I want him to go before me. I'm just going to play off him. Okay. He's just going to play off me. <laughs> mm. Well, then you have to switch seats. That could get really interesting. <clears throat> or Travis can sit on your lap. He can. Yeah. Uh, no. Always welcome. <laughs> Always welcome. Well, <clears throat> is that your gun it? digging into my hip, or are you just excited to see me? <laughs> You're in a cigar shop. <laughs> Thanks, Lois. <laughs> How was the show? Okay. We got through it. 